Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Happy Monday. James Gunn is back in the director chair on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. On top of that, what would have happened if they saved the snap for Endgame? We're going to discuss that. And we're also going to talk about Ezra Miller jumping in to rewrite the Flash script. Crazy stuff happening across the board. We are going to cover it all with you guys today. And I am so lucky to have Jay Washington and John Roca on the desk right now. Can you handle it, Perry? I think I can. Two I think I can. Loudmouth personalities. <laughs> I'm going to be quiet. Not short of opinions. I'm going to be quiet just because he said I'm going to talk real soft. I am so used to it in this building. It's fine, guys. How was your weekend? Everything uh, e- good? Exhausting, uh, full of a lot of things that I can't talk about or announce mm. yet uh, because I'm under embargo, but uh, a fun weekend, that's for sure. What a tease. Uh, I'm not under any embargo. I just did a lot of stand-up at a BS show. And then I got to dress up like the Incredible Hulk for Tournament of Nerds. Nice. I got to put green paint all over my body and make sure that my workouts have been paying off. Good stuff. Good stuff. And you know what I did? <laughs> I saw The Curse of La Llorona and Pet Cemetery. Mm. You can find those reviews on the Collider Video YouTube channel right now. Check those out. But you have to check those out after you hear us talk about all these stories because we got a whole <laughs> interesting lineup today. And the thing we're kicking off with is, of course, what we always kick Monday off with. And it is the box office report so captain marvel held very strong yet again first place finish for weekend two it made another 69 million dollars and that brings its domestic total to 266 million and that worldwide total to 760 million dollars wonder park debuted it to 16 million dollars but reports are estimating that that film's budget was about a hundred million dollars coming in in third place we had five feet apart which stars Haley lou richardson and cole sprouse that movie wound up making $13 million for its first weekend in theaters. All right, Jay, let's kick this off by focusing on the big one. It is Captain Marvel. Is this the drop you expected yeah, this one to take? pretty much. And you know what you attribute that to? Her being seen in the Avengers Endgame trailer. Because now people who didn't see it want to know, who is this woman that stands toe-to-toe with Thor and doesn't budge? And so you knew it was going to keep making money. Again, 760 already worldwide. It's going to hit a billion. It's guaranteed. Oh, yeah. It's still got a couple of weeks to hit a billion before Endgame, and it still may make money after Endgame, just like Black Panther did after Infinity War. So 
it was expected. This isn't a major drop off. This is right about where it was going to be. Yeah, this is uh, this is actually a little higher than what I predicted. I thought it was going to hold on really strong just because of the lack of competition this weekend. Yeah. But what wound up happening is, you know, even though Wonder Park was a pretty expensive animated movie to make, both Wonder Park and Five Feet Apart did overperform compared to the original expectations. So maybe that did eat into Captain Marvel just a little bit. But that's still a great holdover yeah. because when you look at the average of weekend two drops in the MCU, that number is lower than the average. So yes, that is, is a great sign, and I'm fully with you on that. I think that this one is going to continue to go strong through to Endgame, and then probably linger thereafter, oh, yeah. just because the MCU is going to be a huge part of the conversation for quite a while now. Yeah, absolutely. Anything stand out to you, Roka? Yeah, well, I mean, definitely this, I mean, and what you mentioned, the drop-off is incredible. What's well, 54%, which is fantastic. This, And now people are talking about the race to get to a billion. Will it beat what Aquaman did uh, as quickly as Aquaman got to a billion will it be get will it get to a billion quicker than that we'll see and i think perry's right holding over just like black panther did going mm-hmm. into infinity war it'll hold over and ironically uh, it had a better second weekend than infinity war in terms of the drop in terms of the drop was lower than the infinity war drop so that bodes well for the film overall there is a market for captain marvel whether people like it or not there's a market for it at least so that's great um for me what stood out is the hidden uh, the, the the dragon hidden dragon that that thing is still going it's still kicking third film still doing doing its business, still making its money. I'm a fan of that, and I'm, I'm, I like that it's still there for like people who want to go and finish out the trilogy and, and enjoy the film, because everyone, including Mark Riley, told me how great it is. So I still haven't found my way to it, So, but I will eventually. Um, and I like, what does this mean, this overperforming of these smaller films? It's very interesting for me to think about, because why did they overperform? Why did they do better than people thought Sometimes. on the weekend that's kind of dead? And there, there was stuff going on, tournaments sports stuff going on. There was things that distract you, so I was shocked by this. But that's what you just, like you just said. There are they're independent films. Some people yeah. want a difference. You have these blockbuster films that we see. Captain Marvel is a blockbuster. Right. You have all these high pump machine films where the marketing is just mm-hmm. hitting you left and right. And sometimes people want to see stuff differently. We've learned in the past several years that indie films are now calling to the casual film goer. Right. You know, it used to didn't be that way back in the day. But they had at, to really search. Yeah, but look at Captive State. Captive State did not do that well. well yeah. that, it fell well, apart. And a lot of there was a lot of promotion Captain, for that film versus those other it? films that over. I think Captain at least State, for me. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I saw, saw it, way I think more Captain of that. State, a lot of people knew it was probably going to underperform because how the embargo was up like the day before it dropped. Mm-hmm. You know, so the studio really wasn't behind, wasn't competent with mm-hmm. it as, you know, as the other ones. But yeah, you get these independent films people want to see now. Smaller films where they can just go. There's no real big expectations. They just want to enjoy something. No, Wonder Park was not a small film. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm, not talking, I'm not talking about Wonder Park. Yeah, yeah, I'm not talking about Wonder Park. We're talking about Five Feet Apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about five, five Feet Apart. Five Feet Apart yeah, was like definitely. Yeah, definitely not talking about Wonder Park. Is a, it's a Nickelodeon film. It's a yeah. big film. So, yeah, I'm definitely not counting that. Five Feet Apart, though, probably made a good deal for how much it likely costs yeah. to make that one. But, you know, I look at those two movies and I wonder why they did. Well, I have a feeling it could have been good counter-programming. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that, yes, Captain Marvel still made a lot of money mm-hmm. this weekend. But think about how many people rushed out to go see it last week and its first big weekend. Mm-hmm. And now they're coming back to the box office and they want to see something else, something different. Animated movies. There is a lot of animated competition right now. But... I feel like animated movies generally do have like a certain floor mm-hmm, yeah. that is right around where this movie fell. And with Five Feet Apart, it feels like it's been a little while since we've gotten something quite like that. Yeah, I keep comparing point. it to, you know, like Love, Simon and Everything, mm-hmm. Everything. And that is exactly where that one yeah. wound up landing, too. Yeah. 
And that's exactly what that is. These are the movies that you, it has to catch your attention mm-hmm. because the marketing, you'll see it, but you may miss it and you won't you know, really get into what it is. Mm-hmm. And you have to be saying, hey, I kind of want to check this film out. Mm. And so that's what happens. And that's what happened with Five Feet Apart. So it's doing something great. And there'll be more films that'll consistently do this where they'll catch the eye like, hey, maybe I should go see this one. And also when it goes back to Captain Marvel, I knew people who didn't go see it the first week. So mm-hmm. now, after they're hearing how everybody either liked it or disliked it or whatever, they're like, let me go see it for myself now. Well, also, in Five Feet Apart has an a, a cinema score. Yeah, so yeah. That, yes, that's that good, yes. good word sign. of mouth to get people in the theater. And you're right, Perry. This is something we haven't seen this kind of programming in a bit in the vein of Love, Simon, those kinds of films. So uh, what was the other one? The one with Shailene Woodley and the cancer one. What was the name of that one? The cancer? Oh, Fault, Fault Under Stars. That, that kind oh, yeah. of vibe. Oh. There's always a place for those kinds of movies if you find the right weekend for them. And it seems like they did. At at least initially for five feet apart. Yeah. But I mean, you have to put it in right now because we remember the summer blockbuster season used to be May. Right, right. It right. used to be May. Now we're calling it again. Captain Marvel basically is the kickoff mm. for it really is. the yeah. summer blockbuster season. <laughs> yeah. And we're in it already. So for it to do what it's done already speaks volumes. It's crazy. It's crazy. Big money makers pretty much like every month of the year now. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. This is a good thing. All right. So I have some breaking news here for you guys right oh, now that I oh. caught as we were talking about this box office story here. So I see a report on Variety right now that says Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow movie adds Florence Pugh. Ooh, and, nice. uh, Ooh. Just to give you a, a brief uh, synopsis okay. of the story here, uh, sources tell Variety that Florence Pugh is in talks to join Scarlett Johansson's standalone superhero movie. And then it goes on to say Marvel had no comments on the news and it's unclear whether Black Widow will be an origin tale or set after the next Avengers movie. Ooh. So, what do you guys make of this? Where is she going to fit into mm. this movie? And does this casting excite you? Well, she was one of the three. I'm trying to remember the other two that were high on the list that auditioned for it. Emma Watson? Emma Did Watson was another one. Yeah. someone else. Yeah. They were high on the list already to play the supporting lead next to Scarlett Johansson. Mm. So, Florence Pugh coming off of Fighting With My Family, which was amazing. Yep. Her uh, rendition of Paige is phenomenal. So, to see this is great. Again, we're trying to figure out also what's the rating for this film going to be? Mm-hmm. Because there's been so many talk. Is it going to be PG-13? Is it going to be a hard PG-13? Is it going to be R? Because that would be something of first for right. the MCU. Right. But it'll fit along in those lines. And I honestly, I think we're too late for origin story. I think we're way yeah. too late for an origin story for Black Widow. Yeah, I agree with that. We've seen a lot of Black Widow. We had her do flashbacks to when yeah. she was being trained as an assassin. We got Red Sparrow, which is essentially an origin story for Black Widow. So we get it, right? So this is probably more uh, you know, she's taking the Florence Pugh under her wing, the character that Florence Pugh's going to play under her wing and like teaching her train, and then maybe coming to terms with her own stuff of what she experienced. But yeah, you talk about fighting with a family. You can mention Lady Macbeth. You can mention mm-hmm. Little Drummer Girl in AMC. Florence Pugh is one of these people that is going to blow the hell up and people are going to love her work she's very she's already a presence on social media she's very humble about it with the with the fighting with my family stuff she had some moments of coming back at people who were criticizing her appearance or what she did in the film and i love that so to put her in a marvel film once again marvel acquiring these really strong um 
independent movie uh, actors coming in and giving them a bigger platform to show what they can do. That's exciting all around to me. And a good combo, Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson. That's a good back and forth, good chemistry. And potentially the uh, main antagonist is going to be uh, Andre, I can't remember his last name, from Moonlight. Mm. The opposite, Trevante Rhodes. So he's supposed to be potentially the bad guy in this film. So if you have just those three hearing that already, Mm -hmm. you got something set up with a very good film. Now we just need to know where the story is going, that Kate Shortland is going to be part of, and everything. So, then my question comes down to: Are we? Too, is it too late? That's my. I, I start Again, to buy no, much. No. Is it too film, late? Because origin, yes, but because we were twenty-one movies into the MCU, she was introduced in Iron, Iron Man, Man 2. Two, so she's been around a long, long time. This is a separate standalone adventure. As we move on to Endgame and start focusing on these other Avengers, mm-hmm. is she going to get left behind mentally by the public? I don't know, but it feels a little bit like this should have happened it's years ago. It's tough to weigh in on that mm-hmm. without having seen Endgame. I think that's going right. to clarify a real yeah. answer to that question. But yeah. at this point in time, it's so hard for me to imagine some sort of future where we're not talking about Black Widow yeah. because she's been such she's a one of the hot original, fan yeah. favorite from the very, very beginning. And mm-hmm. the Marvel Cinematic Universe isn't going anywhere, so she's always going to be firmly in the conversation, mm-hmm. especially if this is on the lineup here. And yeah. adding someone like Florence Pugh to that cast is such a brilliant move. I agree with you. I think she's going to blow up. It's only a matter of time before yeah. everybody knows her name. Great addition. And just to clarify, Kevin Feige recently did shoot down those R-rated okay, rumors for this movie. Okay, okay. He says that was never the case, so that's not going to happen here. Okay. But I am curious to see story-wise where this thing winds up landing. And yeah. I know a lot of people want, there's one story in particular, not even an origin story. There's one story we haven't really, really settled since the first Avengers. Mm-hmm. What's the Budapest story Yeah, right. with her and Hawkeye? Yep. That's the story people want to know. What's this whole Budapest story? Because Hawkeye brought her in. What does it mean? Right. What, what does this whole thing what mean? To you? Now, if you go off of that, I think you have something that goes forward, if that makes sense. So maybe not an origin story, but certainly a flashback a story. A flashback story. Absolutely. I'm disappointed they don't, they won't, they don't want to go R. I'm disappointed in that. But Because Black Widow, if you read the comics, Black Widow was a hardcore R rated, yeah. sometimes X rated heroes, or you know, both sides playing both sides, hero or villains. Because so. you understand what yeah, the course. MCU wants to do, and it's yeah. like, yeah, we don't want to feel like we're ostracizing anybody but you're not yeah you're not you're opening again deadpool showed it can work yeah and it's a marvel character i understand it's not the mcu logan but it showed, showed it could work logan showed it can work yeah. so yeah we'll um i'm curious to see how they incorporate r-rated mm. as soon as this merger is uh, yeah, locked in because that's <laughs> yeah. gonna happen really soon now we're moving on to another disney and marvel story that also kind of happens to be a warner brothers and dc story too because <laughs> as you guys might have heard late last week over the weekend james gunn has officially been reinstated as the director of guardians of the galaxy volume three we all know he was removed from the project a little while ago but now per deadline, they're saying that Bob Iger and uh, Alan Horn, or specifically Alan Horn right now, continue to meet with James Gunn on multiple occasions Mm -hmm. after he was first fired, and then he was persuaded by Gunn's apology and how he handled the whole situation, so Horn decided that they were going to reverse the whole uh, decision there, so James Gunn is back as the director of (laughs) Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, but on top of that, he's also the director 
director of the new Suicide Squad movie, yeah. and mm-hmm. they're also reporting that Disney and Marvel are going to respect that obligation, and they are not going to shoot Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 until, in, he, until he is done with Suicide Squad and ready to go. So that probably means we're not going to see them go into production until something like late 2020, and that means we probably won't get the movie until, I don't know, 2022 at the earliest. Yeah. So, Wow. This was a lot. I was shocked. Roka, yep. what did you think when this news story first crossed your eye? Well, I was about to record an episode of Collider Mailbag, and it was explosion in the office. Grab Roka, grab Riley, jump in here, talk about it. We did a nice piece on it, quickly, six minutes on Friday. You could go watch that if you want after the show. But my initial thoughts have kind of changed from where I spoke about it. Yes, I was shocked. This is an interesting backtrack by Disney. This does not happen. This does not happen. So it's pretty incredible. So I would love to read the book 10 years from now about what really <laughs> happened and how he got this job. I'm looking for, I put myself on the Amazon list now to get that book because I want to read the behind the scenes how this all went down. Because Alan Horn is a studio chief. He's going to say what he's going to say. The PR battle, that's what you got to do. Something happened here to make them change their mind. They weren't just sitting around one afternoon. You know what? We should get James, James Gunn back. No, something happened here. Something was, uh, some conversation was had or some, some something occurred to make this happen because James Gunn probably made this happen by writing a kick-ass The Suicide Squad script. They probably read it or saw it or heard something about it and were like, well, we, we can't lose this guy. Let's bring him back. The cast doesn't want to come back with him. They don't feel comfortable. And in the story, they say they didn't interview anybody to take Gunn's yeah. place anyway. So that tells you something was going on behind the scenes for quite some time before it made it. Now, I'm in the camp that I don't think he's going to do he's going to finish the suicide squad. I think somehow some way they're going to move him off. I'm also in the camp that Ryan Johnson's not going to finish his trilogy in Star Wars either. I think it's weird that when your girlfriend breaks up with you or your boyfriend breaks up with you because you said or did something wrong years past and then another girlfriend or boyfriend comes in and picks you up off the street and brings you back in the house and takes care of you and all of a sudden when your girlfriend or boyfriend ex reaches oh, back out okay. to you you go back with that ex that's <laughs> not good that's not right and if I was Warner Brothers I'd be like screw that shit you come back you sign a contract with us we picked you up when nobody wanted you now you want to run off with the first one and go and do another movie Screw that. So that's my personal opinion. If I was Warner Brothers, I would drop James Gunn within the month and move on to someone it else, find creative like, differences. Uh, sounds like you're salty about something in the past. You're maybe. hella salty. I am salty because if, 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 if someone See, drops you, I think I think you're using that analogy in the wrong context because it doesn't apply here. This is what I believe honestly it happened. Thoroughly applies this is, here. Look, this is what I believe honestly happened. That very first meeting that James Gunn had with Bob Iger and mm-hmm. Alan Horn. They had three of them. The first meeting. Though, sure. The first one was already said. You know what? Let this cool down. Do what you got to do. We'll bring you back. So why did they meet two more times? They probably kept hashing out how everything, because the second and third time had to be hashing out Suicide Squad. Horn said at the end of the third Wait, meeting. Hashing out Suicide Squad? How they would handle it with him no. doing Suicide Squad. Oh, oh, I see That's what, what I mean. At. With him doing Suicide Squad for Warner Brothers as well. But that was, the third meeting was had before the Suicide Squad announcement was made. 
Again, we get the announcements at certain times. We don't know when things are done and inked inside already. Well, I mean, look at how we've been handling this conversation up until now. I mean, we've been talking about it like it was a like it was a done deal, yeah. and there were rumors I that Taika Waititi was being considered to direct the movie, and right. it turns out that they never even entertained the idea of filling gun yeah. shoes yeah. on this project. And that makes me think that day one, when the firing was a done deal, that not every one of the higher-ups over there just believed in that decision. Oh, so it was something that I don't know. I'm just making up that they had a voting process, but it was a voting process that basically made the trades go out and report. Gun is out. That's it. And gun went and found other things. But meanwhile, behind the scenes, he was never gone. They kept talking about it, and that's that's how this industry works. Sometimes things are going on behind the scenes as we're busy theorizing about yeah, yeah, all these crazy yeah. things. Absolutely. And like I said, first and foremost, I called it last time I was here. Movie talk. He was coming back because Perry, Perry was I like, will, I, I will tell you, I am absolutely <laughs> shocked by yeah. that by this news. Uh, Especially because it seemed like the fact that he picked up the Suicide Squad would be a reason that, he would that not was come like back. Another thing to, to further solidify but that I even he said, is God's but I also, horrible but no, 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 I said Suicide Squad would be one of the reasons if he comes back. But granted, we don't know again how the talks are working. Also, when you think about this, no, like you said, no one else wanted this this franchise. No one wanted to touch it. Who they try, who they trusted. That's what I think. In the end, that the studio saw that nobody, even if they didn't have formal interviews, they certainly put certainly put feelers. And out. nobody would You'd take be it. Irresponsible not to. Yes, and nobody would take it. So they were like, okay, let's bring James back. There. So it works out for both because think about sure. it. For Warner Brothers, how does this work? You have a top Marvel director who has done several films, who consulted with Infinity War, now directing one of your film, one of your films now in the reboot of the Suicide. Side squad. Also, another thing that should have let us know this was going to happen when Dave Batista shut up. <sighs> remember how vote? Think about he it. He said he was going to go beyond the suicide. But squad. remember, he was so and vocal. Leave but that's what I'm saying. He was so vocal. Then all of a sudden, so right next to you. You don't. Have to I know. Point no, no. When I'm I right hold, next I know because I like holding your shoulder <laughs> or elbow. But you know. But it was like he kept going and being so vocal on Twitter. Yeah. And then he just stopped. He just stopped mm. abruptly. Well, like he's somebody, also at the WWE doing that stuff, too. So he got distracted. Doesn't matter. It means that somebody, potentially James Gunn, called him and said, look, I am not supposed to tell you this, but this is what's going on. And he knows that Batista can keep the secret because, mm. of course, he works in the world of professional wrestling when it comes to WrestleMania storylines. He told him, shut up. This is okay. It just won't happen now, but we will have Guardians 3. Kevin Feige threw everybody off and was like, hey, it's just off the table. Yeah. And that's how you end the talks until later. Boom. Let it drop. Now everything's coming back. He gets to do. A, he's the first director to do both simul, to be attached simultaneously to a Marvel and DC property. It's a big, big deal. It's a, it's a big, big deal. deal. We, we have to revisit something else you just yeah. said that you don't think he's going to finish the Suicide Squad no. because I highly, highly disagree with that. Okay. Even though we weren't clear on every single thing going on behind the scenes in terms of his conversations with Marvel, I would really be shocked if someone like James Gunn signed on to something like that only to drop out. I get the feeling that he is someone with such like this crazy creative mind that's so deeply passionate about his specific vision of stories that if he signs on for something like that it's because he believes mm-hmm. in it and because he cares about it and just because we're putting Guardians 3 back into the picture it does not mean he's going back to his old girlfriend it does mean he's going back to his old girlfriend he's going to go back but it to doesn't, Marvel no DC, basically no way. he's in a there's polyamorous after. relationship since you want to use relationship terms right. he's in a polyamorous relationship right now poly- he, he's in a poly he has two yeah, relationships but the, girl, but the WB when they got together with him didn't know he wanted to be in a polyamorous relationship How, but now we're they're not, forced but that's into a the situation because they've developed 
that's the one thing. I think Scott. that's the one thing you're assuming, and we all have been assuming that Warner Brothers didn't know. We're all assuming everything we're saying. Absolutely, but this is the biggest assumption: is that Warner Brothers didn't know what was going to happen. You think Warner Brothers was going to turn down James Gunn one way or another? No, I think Warner Brothers saw a chance to shoot to what? shoot at Marvel, and I'm saying and picked up a guy that Absolutely. dropped. But, but look, again, would you, if you're also, Warner Brothers right, but, and you're rebuilding your universe, yes. and you have the opportunity to get James Gunn potentially where he doesn't know if or if not he's a going smart back. Move by Warner Brothers, yeah. no one's so you think they're that. not right? So you but think, if I pick you up when nobody else wants you, and you get kicked off your franchise, and then you turn around as soon as the franchise Rooker, gets your googly eyes, but you Rooker, go right you're back to that You're making it seem like James Gunn never corresponded with Warner Brothers. I don't know. You don't know either. I'm pretty sure, again, he's do doing sure both. Because he's doing both. How are you pretty sure what, though? Because he's doing both. He had to have this correspondence between the two that's, of them. That's the difference here, is the fact that he's doing both. It's not like he's going back to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and shooting Warner Brothers a big middle finger. He's still, no, no. He's still attached yeah. and working on the Suicide Squad. He is going to finish that, that to, the, to the best of his ability, and when he's done with that, he's done with all of his obligations to Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. then he's going to go and work on another movie. It is unprecedented that we have one director directing two major projects for studios and cinematic universes mm-hmm. that are considered to be Rivals. at odds with yes. one another. That's but this happens all the time with directors moving from studio to studio. I mean, sure. you can do that. And it happens in the comic book industry as well. Absolutely. People go from Marvel to DC, Marvel to DC, mm-hmm. but it leaves a bad taste in the mouths of DC or Marvel whenever they lose someone. So to me, that's what I wonder about at the end of the day. And look, it's not like Warner Brothers has a track record of keeping these people even when they've signed them. We're about to talk about Flash in a little bit, how many directors have come and gone on that? Well, so we're, we're also in a new era for the well, DC. Suji Hera just sat, chat, sat down or got fi- or le- left, so we don't know this new era. Yes, we're in a new era, but the Sujihara stuff Sujihara could have ramifications. Hamada has the uh, DC universe. Sure, but Sujihara was there under with Hamada and brought him in, so there's a lot going on here. Yeah. I, I just think this is an interesting situation, and if I was a studio and I picked you up and gave you a franchise, and then you're going to run back, back to the other ex. franchise after me, I would be super upset about that. But maybe everyone's kumbaya all of a sudden in Hollywood, and they're holding hands. I don't you, we're you, all deliver, make... you deliver a good film that makes a lot of money and all the fans happy. I don't care what, what you, you do, do after. Mm. You're okay. good. You got James going to know how to do team up films with obscure characters. You're good. Yeah, but then do you bring him back? If people want a sequel, what happens then? You think Marvel goes, okay, go ahead. Remember, go back to originally, originally, we was going to have Dave, David Ayer do the sequel to Suicide Squad, and they were like, eh, no. I don't blame David Ayer for that movie, but okay. <laughs> well, I didn't expect this conversation. <laughs> I'll, show you, I'll show you Fury, and you come talk to me. All right. Before that gets any more heated than it already is, <laughs> we're going to move on to another Marvel story right now. And this is just like light fun imagining what could have been because there are quotes from Empire right now. They did an interview with Infinity War co-writer Stephen McFeely, who, of course, works alongside Christopher Marcus. And McFeely told them that they briefly considered state saving the snap for the second movie. So for Endgame instead of Infinity War, here's exactly what he said. We had so much story in those early drafts of Infinity War that if anything, we thought maybe we thought we maybe shouldn't do the snap until the end of act 1 of Endgame. So I mean the question here, I'm curious like your creative takes on it mm. is which do you think would have been better, the snap that we got or a snap that was saved for the end of the first act of Endgame, which is so entirely different? I, I really would think the one we have is the best hmm. because if you make the snap just part of an act and not the culmination, it takes away from what it is. We don't, you know, now you have two hours, in a sense, if this movie was still going to be 
three hours of them chasing to try to reverse everything else. Mm. Let it be an entire film like we have with Endgame. This entire thing is basically how do we deal with all this? How do we reverse all this? How do we get people back? How do we defeat him at the same time? It's all of these stakes mixed into one and you don't have to rush it and cram it where you would have had to if you put the snap in Act 1 of Endgame. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think absolutely it's right where it's supposed to be. And I think for a couple of reasons. One, story-wise, it's such a gutsy decision by a major studio to do that with one of their in, one of their money-making properties to kill off half their characters and to have it end and let people speculate what to do and leave the theater depressed yep. afterwards and upset. Uh, you know, I had Gray Drake on Mailbag over the weekend. She said she walked up to Peyton Reed grabbed by lapel and said, how could you do this to me? Because he consulted on it. And mm-hmm. so that lets you know, you know, that, that this is the kind of reaction they wanted from the fans. It was a smart move overall. I would have hated the the um, snap in uh, in uh, Endgame, and then there's like a black frame, and then they all figure it out because that would have felt like a TV show. Yep. Now this feels like an epic movie. And I said this after every review in Infinity War. I said if the world ended tomorrow after Infinity War we would have still had an incredible film that would have been a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah, no matter what. would have been fine with it. Now, by having this time to speculate, the fans get even more invested, more excited, and they're walking into Endgame to see if any of their theories or speculations now will come true. From a story perspective, I can't imagine it working as well at the end of the first act of Mm -hmm. Endgame Mm -hmm. because, one, I can't quite figure out what a satisfying conclusion to Infinity War would have been. And it, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, would it have ended with him walking away with one additional Infinity Stone yeah, and leaving right. us there? But then on top of that, basically what you just brought up, think about it from the business perspective and what the ending mm-hmm. of Infinity War, the snap there had to do with this conversation that we've been having nonstop, mm-hmm. nonstop, sky high passion since that movie mm-hmm. came out. And it just put this kind of vibe in the air where you ha- you had to see the resolution of that. And yeah. also, that wound up, I think, serving Captain Marvel very well because when you yep. add that tag, then it's like, oh, crap, now i got to see Captain Marvel too because I want to know how she's going to mm-hmm. influence Endgame. It, it really... The movie overall had a lot to offer that didn't just revolve around that big end sequence, but there's no denying that that was a major topic of conversation, and it was like the ultimate gut punch ending. I don't really think I've seen another one quite, or at least very few movies that have had the nerve to end quite like that. Also, you think about it, this was a Thanos film. That's what Infinity War is. This this was Thanos' movie. Mm -hmm. If you take out what he's supposed to do at the end, it loses its luster because now it's like, whose film is this? Is it Thanos's? Is it the Avengers? Because the snap is what is the main thing, the main goal. We get to that in Infinity War. If we just have this without happening, we're like, okay, so now I got to sit here and wait. I, I don't know. I'm confused. People were already confused about the fact that it happened. That was it. You know, everybody, we saw the dust and we saw everybody leave, but it happened. That was it. And he's him sitting smiling. So now you have another film. Everybody's like, okay, I just seen trailers of people sad. So what happens? I don't think it would have been as impactful at the end of a first act, too. I mean, when you think about it, 
part of why it like we feel the weight so much is mm-hmm. because like we were left there. We were <laughs> left with that feeling. Mm-hmm. And if you had done it in Endgame at the end of the first act, and then it was then it was about fixing it. I feel like it would have we all would have moved away from it a little too quickly. And also, I think about it happening then, and like what would the tone of the rest of Endgame be? I know it's super serious based on what we saw in the trailer, mm-hmm. and the, and it's like dire and intense and everything, but. I feel like if it was at the end of the first act, a lot of what followed might have been, you know, borderline miserable. I agree, and it would it, <laughs> tone wise. And it, also, we would have we wouldn't have felt the deaths as powerfully because we'd be like, oh, there's two hours still left in the movie. Exactly. Let's see how they're going to turn this around. Yeah. Whereas now we spend months wondering how they're going to make this all work. Who's going to come back? Why is he in a blonde hair? Why does he have a different color suit? All of the speculation. Also, really, the trailers would have been com- powerful. The trailers would have been completely different. Because had that happened, had that snap not occurred, there are no Avengers gone. The trailer for right. Endgame right. now looks completely different. The trailer for Endgame now looks almost exactly like the trailer for Infinity, Infinity War. War. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, yeah. it now looks like Infinity War's trailer. Because yeah. now you're like, okay, all right. But then the snap, you said snap in the first half, you're like, i still got two hours left. So yeah. I know they're going to fix all this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who? really, who knows? They might have had a brilliant way to work it in, for all we know. But... I, I do feel very strongly about the Infinity War that we got and just this vibe and this conversation we get to have now leading up to Endgame and the excitement around it. Yeah. Before we move on to our next story, I am sorry, Adam, I didn't do it after the second story. I'm going <laughs> to remind you guys, we're taking your live Twitter questions at the very end of the show. Send them in right now using the hashtag Collider Movie Talk. Keep them fresh, fun, different, short and sweet, and maybe we will pick them and answer them right here. All right. Next story, we are making the shift over to the DC film franchise right now because Ezra Miller, as we all well know, signed on to play The Flash. That was back in 2014. We still don't have a solo movie for him. And uh, in February of 2018, we know that Warner Brothers finally hired Game Night uh, filmmakers John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein to direct this standalone movie. And things were seeming like they were finally going to go after they had had so many other directors attached before. But now, according to THR, apparently Ezra Miller's vision for the film and Daly and Goldstein's vision for the film is clashing. Daly and Goldstein Daly and Goldstein. Want Want a light-hearted approach, while Miller reportedly wants a darker story. So, both sides have been working to find a compromise since uh, the two directors were hired. But now, Miller's taken it into his own hands, and he is writing his own script alongside comics author Grant Morrison. And he's going to present that script to Warner Brothers and see what happens. THR also notes that there could be a lot riding on the screenplay because Miller's holding deal to play the flag. It's due to expire in May. So we could be in a situation where if they don't like his script, maybe that'll just be the end of him in this role. Oh, boy. First, I I can see you're just like busting with ideas right now. But first, tell me, Jay, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a Flash movie that is lighthearted or does have a darker tone like what Ezra Miller's working for? You have to have the lighthearted one because, granted, there's no connectivity. There's no connectivity. But the characters have kept their same tones. Again, Aquaman, Jason Momoa is still the same Arthur Curry as he is and Aquaman as he was in BVS and Justice League. Wonder Woman is still the same. We've gotten a lighthearted Barry Allen in this universe. You can't just all of a sudden switch it where it's now super dark. Just let it stay the same. That's my thoughts on that. (laughs) And now? 
<laughs> I heard, I saw like the dot dot dot. dot, dot, dot. Finishing that sentence. You're trying to save your job, and it's probably going to fail. Because I get it. Your holding deal expires. That's that's what I mean. His holding deal is going to expire. They're not going to use him. You decide to say, hey, what they're writing for the film, which is based off the character that we've already had. Mm-hmm. Goldstein and uh, Dwight, they're writing a film based off the funniness of The Flash. And now you want to all of a sudden go dark? I get it. You think this is the CW TV show, but it's not. Is he trying to save his job? I mean, he's got the job. And if they weren't clashing, and I don't want to say, oh, Ezra Miller's not to have not yeah. allowed to have any creative input at all. But to say he's trying to save his job isn't exactly accurate. Because okay. like he would have had a job if he just said, all right, let's go with let's their vision. Go, this is the one you've been, you, the Flash you've been doing. Doing. And you you would think that if they were hired with that take on the character, then the studio would Everything have been, would have been like, okay, it. that's what I think that's the biggest issue. It's like you played this character this way in all these other films, even though they were just cameos per se until Justice League. Mm-hmm. Why all of a sudden now you want to change it? I get that maybe when you came in because of what Zack Snyder's vision was, was a darker version. Mm-hmm. I understand that completely. But you've played this character in this role. Let that stand. Yeah, have your creative input, but don't say, oh, well, I just want a completely new film, completely different character, all dark. This is unearned clout like nobody's business. I'm going to be the Jeff Snyder. This is ridiculous. Who's Ezra Miller? What has he ever done? Give me a break. No, look, I I just think this, when I read this story, I thought this was borderline nuts. Uh, Who are you to decide the direction? Look, no offense, but like we've been through seven directors and how many writers trying to get this thing right. Now you're going to throw, you know, your weight around and bring in Grant Morrison, who has absolutely no record of writing theatrical films and neither do you, Ezra, other than a short and so like how are you all going to come up with a script now that makes this thing work and if it gets turned in, and daily and goldstein are already on board now you want to make a you're you were a goofy fool in justice league give me a break now all of a sudden you want to make a dark flash sorry ezra i've seen your dark in fantastic beasts i'm good i need you to have fun it's the flash let's have fun the flash is great barry allen does have a darkness to him in his backstory but even those scenes you play with billy crudup they were sweet from a from an innocent vulnerable place not from a dark, gritty, broken glass, barbed wire place. So to me, this makes no sense. I think in some way, this is a move by him to save face for him leaving the situation eventually. Like, oh, I brought in this great comic writer. Warner Brothers didn't want it. I'm out. It's May. I'm out. You guys can recast. That way you're not rejecting me. I'm rejecting you. So, I, you know, I know this business works. Hollywood, it's all about appearances. So to me, this is a this is an interesting situation. It's a And Warner Brothers, kudos to them for being like, go ahead, write your script. Because at the end, they don't have to take the script. They don't have to agree with anything to do it, and they can let him go in May. And to, I think that's what they should do. To be fair, this is a report that we're getting through one of the trade outlets, too. Right. I mean, we fair don't enough. really have a fair. full understanding sure. of what darker take means. For all we know, it could just be adding, you know, another uh, another element to the plot that wasn't right. there before mm-hmm. to up the stakes or something like that. It doesn't necessarily mean he wants a dark, gritty Flash movie, but it is a very interesting scenario to have someone who's been attached for a, to a mm-hmm. role for so long feel the need to take the script into his own hands in order to make it what he wants it to be and you know I think I would have a little more faith in Ezra Miller doing something like that 
had he had other credits right. to his That's name? Right. Or, yes, absolutely. And, you know, maybe I just need to do more research on what he's interested in. But, like, I can't recall him ever expressing all that much interest in, mm-hmm. in taking mm-hmm. this kind of path with his career. And I have tons of respect for actors out there who aren't getting the parts and the opportunities that they want. So they go ahead. I mean, look at what Margot Robbie's doing. She is making movies her way because she Damn decided right. to stand yep. up and do that. And if that's his intentions, if he wants to see his kind of movies done his way, I applaud him for taking the reins and putting them in his own hands. It's just in this situation when we've been waiting so long for this Flash movie and when he was such a standout in Justice League, it's just walking away from Justice League, what I wanted, are it's basically the things that we're not going to wind up getting now, which is a Flash movie and a Cyborg movie, yeah. which yeah. is unfortunate. Well, it's also funny because, look, how m- he's been on since 2014, right? Mm-hmm. How many directors have we been through? And every single time, it's creative differences. What if this is finally Warner Brothers going, you know what? We're sick of it. We're going to put Ezra out on the front lines and be the, he's the reason there's creative differences. He's been the problem the whole time. That's what it could Maybe seem directors like. directors have had trouble, and Ezra had, has had issues with every one of their scripts that going on the play. That is a big theory, though. I'm just saying, I mean, that, I he's mean, the one consistent there, throughout. I mean, there the has studio. been four or five directors before we finally got to Davies and Goldstein. Before yeah. we've got, well, remember, when Rick Famuyiwa was first attached yeah. to it, everybody was like, yes, let's do this. And every single we're, time, it's creative differences. We're also talking about a franchise that has had its ups, some significant ups and downs. Sure. So it, it doesn't feel uh, too fair to just point a finger at Ezra Miller right now well, because I'm, he's been attached to the beginning. I think we can point a finger at the studio. We can point a finger at Ezra Miller. I think it's fair to at least have the conversation. And I don't think it's it pointing a finger, but it's but like it's what has been the, the constant. Yes, we know Warner Brothers has been in turmoil when it comes to the DC film universe. We know that. It's constantly been changes at the head, changes in direction, change in tone and everything. Yeah. I get it. But you, if this is true, and you want to change the tone of a character that you played in the, you played in full in Justice League, wh- why? Affleck didn't pull this, and Affleck had way more weight to pull something like this than as. Well, he just said he couldn't get the, he couldn't crack for the Batman. He couldn't crack it. Again, he played the Henri twenty year Bruce Wayne. I'm sick of this shit. I just want to shoot people now. He played that Batman. That was the, and he stayed that Batman pretty much all the way through. He wanted to write the thing with Terrio. They were gonna do it together. Mm-hmm. And then in the end that they didn't want to go with it because of all the responses to it. But that's the thing. That, this I could accept from Affleck, absolutely. But Ezra, it just seems weird. It just seems weird. Yeah, I mean it, it's yeah. definitely a, an unusual story yeah. to cover. We don't hear about things like this happening so often, but I mean I have a feeling we're gonna probably see how all this plays out pretty soon especially if his if his arrangement with them is expiring in the near future so it's going to be curious to see where this one lands now because this was quite the fiery show (laughs) we don't have time for too many twitter questions but even before i get to that we've got some plugs to share of course tomorrow on the collider video youtube channel you can get your collider live in the morning and a brand new episode of this wonderful show collider movie talk in the afternoon on top of that there's a new episode of rule of two coming your way and a little something called Collider Sports Time. Roka, what does that everyone have to uh, go watch after well, this? Well, if you like this banter, you'll have more of it on <laughs> Collider Sports Time. Jay Washington was our guest along with Josh McCougar, the three of us, going on about the NCAA tournament, about the Cleveland Browns, about the Tyreek Hill situation, and three or four other stories. Talked about it all. Dropping them all in little six to seven minute clips. So find them on the Collider Sports YouTube channel. Trying something new for the Monday show. Uh, yeah, go find it there and on the podcast feed as well. All right. We're going to move into some Twitter questions right now, but first I have a Twitter comment. Uh, Dustin Dowd writes, may I suggest you sit between Jay and Roka next time? <laughs> uh, yeah, I am going to pass on that, but thanks for the suggestion, Dustin. 
We're passionate men. There's nothing wrong with it. All right. So first question today is one from James Daniel 77, who asks, what up and coming director, three films or less, would you like to see get more larger directing opportunities? Thanks. Bradley Cooper. Olivia Wilde, right there, two directors. All I'm hearing about Booksmart is incredible stuff. That trailer completely won me over. Uh, and what Bradley Cooper did with The Star is Born is a crime he didn't, wasn't nominated. It's a crime he didn't win Best Actor. So to me, that's the guy I'd like to see going on. Yeah, I can name other directors, but I like what's happening amongst the actors that are sliding in behind the camera. I like what I've seen so far over the last few years. It's incredible. Carlos Lopez Estrada. The director from Blind Spot. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Blind Spot was a beautiful. I love Blind Spot so much. Mm-hmm. To see someone who can take that kind of vision on a smaller scale, give them something on a larger, you know, mm-hmm. larger to do and with bigger budget and everything and bigger cast and bigger ensemble. And yes, Olivia Wilde as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Olivia Wilde, I'm going with Reed Murano. And Olivia, I bring up Olivia Wilde because Reed's first feature was a film called Meadowland, which I saw at Tribeca a while back. Mm-hmm. And Olivia Wilde is the star of it. And I believe she produced it also. But one, you're right on Olivia Wilde because Booksmart, I mean, yes, I've already yeah. spoken yeah. about it here. Yeah. I love that movie so much. But Reed Murano is also a name that's been tossed around already for a couple of big franchises. And I really do think, I truly believe she is on the cusp of this. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that one day we're going to be sitting at this table talking about her stepping into her first, I don't know, DC, Marvel, Star Wars, whatever franchise, mm-hmm. you name it, it's going to happen for her. Can I throw in Stephen Capel as well from Creed 2? Yeah. I think yes. Steve did a great job sliding in, taking in that sequel and doing something incredible with it and new in that Rocky slash Creed franchise. I'd love to see him do something contemplative and interesting in a comic book world. And, and also, I understand that everybody, the, the comic book world is one thing, but also you have these bigger franchise mm-hmm. films. Again, a Mission Impossible going forward. Sure. You know, things like that. So I would like to see these directors go that way. So it's just not exclusive to Marvel, DC, and whatnot. Because people think, oh, well, just those? No, there's a whole plethora. All right. Even though I'm using action. I think we can uh, get one more Twitter question in, and it's one that's very appropriate to one of the conversations we had today. And it is from Doni. We love Doni here. If the Flash contract expires and they go full reboot, who would you like to see take on the role? It's a big question. James Gunn. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, Roka. Oh, Roka. Um, there's a lot of choices. Yeah, there's, there is. There's a lot of young actors rolling around out there. Oh. Uh, <laughs> mm. Who would you like to see, Jay? Don't do this. Don't do that. Because <laughs> it's a lot of actors out there. And I'm trying to think, who would I like to see to play that same type of flash? You want my out of the box thought? Andrew Garfield. I would love to see Andrew come no. back. I think he's. Uh, are you? He'd be no. perfect. Are you high? No, he'd be perfect. Are you high? Did you yeah. not see Amazing Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man too? And I, I, he's good in it. The film itself is not good, but he's good in it. And you feel the Gwen Stacy stuff all through it with him and Emma. I think Andrew's a really, really damn good actor. Uh, and I would love to see him come back into a superhero situation so he can wipe off this thing that Jay so condescendingly <laughs> thinks about. No. Amazing no. <laughs> I think Andrew Garfield is very, very talented. I think he might have aged out of the role a little bit. And and to be fair, like, you said, Barry I mean, was old. No, no, you too. can. But yeah. it's just like if we're if we're sticking with, you know, not necessarily the same exact flash we saw before, but maybe a step away. Yeah. And I also think that's kind of the charm of this of the flash, especially when you think about all the other heroes we have right now, I guess say for Shazam is a lot of them are much older mm-hmm. so I wouldn't mind having this right now this is going to be something that a lot of people are going to be like what but I just thought about it when I think of this flash and I think everything Alden Ehrenreich 
Guys. He's too old. I don't know he about is, this. If, if I can't have Garfield, you can't have old? Aaron Reich. Yeah, you're about right. Chalamet. Chalamet. Oh, that's a good pick. What do you think? It Timothy just, Chalamet. It, it feels dangerous to dip into other franchises that to pull had, out somebody. That had yeah. like, you know, like a little bit of a lackluster cloud over it kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, the name, fair. The name I'm going to throw out there is someone who I think is freaking phenomenal. And you need to see this movie that he had debut at Sundance called Loose. And it's Kelvin Harrison Jr. Okay. He is Hands down, one of the best of his generation right now. Mm. And I've seen him in a couple of other things. The first thing I caught him in was It Comes at Night, that A24 movie that yeah. came out back in, I believe, 2017. And he was so good in that. I remember writing my review and just gushing over his performance. And then when I saw him in that movie, Loose, which is like, I mean, a really, really mm. challenging role for a young actor. Mm-hmm. He just nails it across the board. And I think he's capable of just about anything. It just hit me. I don't know why it didn't hit me before. Mm. I hope I pronounced his last name right. Ansel Igor from Baby Driver. Yeah, you're on the cusp. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, see you, that. Get, you get that I younger look. That. You get that younger look, younger feel. Mm-hmm. I think I could. I could see that. What about Aza Butterfield or Finn Wolfhard? Finn Wolfhard would be interesting. Is he yeah, but that's Finn? that's super young. Okay. It's no, it's super young, but I, I think he could probably do it. It's yeah. just like I keep seeing all the franchises that Finn Wolfhard is attached to at this <laughs> yeah, point. Fair. I'm like, have fair. a child, kid. I would love them to make it a uh, uh, African American. I love to see a black young black. So actor. do a Wally West. Yeah, do a Wally. What? The, well, no, you can keep him Barry Allen. Nothing okay. says it has to be a white Barry Allen. So this like, is, you could have, a, you could really make a bold step forward yeah. and put his story. The story is universal. Absolutely, so you could make it that way. Yeah, you know, I, I think it'd be interesting to, to, to make that chance or a, a young Latino actor. It would be fun to explore that. We're not putting Ezra Miller out to pasture just yet, but it's a fun, exciting thing to consider, at least. So, yeah, lots lots to come uh, our way on this show for The Flash, and we'll be covering it all for you. All right, that is all the time we have today. As always, I must thank John Roca thank and you, Jay Washington for being here. A good time. It's always good to have, like, some heated conversations. <laughs> you get it out of your system on the desk, and then we all chill out. Later. It's great. Over a Adam Smith in the booth. You rock. Thank you so much. And thanks to everybody out there for supporting the show. Do not forget to like and share this episode. Tell everybody you know about it in video form, also on the podcast network as well. And we will see you tomorrow, 4 p.m. PT, for a brand new episode of Movie Talk. Stay little chico, pit pool, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, from negative to positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you gotta play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, figgins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.